Hey guys, from YouTube, it's the No Swear Gamer, your source for new reviews of old games, and also the host of the Atari 7800 Game by Game podcast, the greatest Atari 7800 Game by Game podcast in the universe today, here with three simple suggestions for you. Wax on with the right hand, wax off with the left hand, and listen with your ears to the Toys R Us report with my boy, I See Robots. Welcome to the Toys R Us report. You all ooh and ah when he jumps in his car. People treat him like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Your host, Icy Robots. All right, greetings Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It's me again, Icy Robots. I'm not a hero. I just sacrifice to make your life a little better each and every week. And this week, we got a heck of a fun show ahead of us. We're going to take a look at a VHS tape I watched called Psychomania. Right after that, it's into the retro toy marketplace where we're going to closely examine The Karate Kid by good old Rimco, an action figure series that I always wanted but never had from a movie that I loved to death at the time and still have, yeah, you know, a pretty decent amount of love for today. That is some real good stuff. That's not the only thing. We're going to talk about the flea market, some vending we did. We actually went on the other side of the table and did some selling. I will let you know all about that. It's a fun show like always. All right, guys, come on. Hit it. Yo, ISR, man. I don't understand this, man. Yo, you've got to slow down, man. You're losing them. Radio suckers never play me. You are listening to the Toys R Us report. It's time to get stupid. As a reseller, meaning somebody who goes to the flea market or goes to the thrift store and buys stuff to resell, you do a lot of times buy things that you just cannot get rid of. And at that point, when your garage starts to get a little full, and while my garage isn't full, the couch that I like to chill out in there with is totally covered with boxes of stuff that I thought I could flip, but cannot flip. What you do is you either hold a yard sale, which I'm not that big on. We've done it a few times, but I don't like people coming over. I don't like people being that close to my house, especially like the flea market weirdos like myself. Or you can go to the flea market. And that is exactly what we are planning to do this weekend. Now, like I just said, we're going to do it this upcoming weekend, probably Sunday, but we have not done it yet. So by the time we get to the Toys R Us report itself, at the end of the show, we will have done the flea market and I will be able to give you all the info, what we sold, what we made, what we did. I look at it like this. I figure I name a bill. I find a bill that we have and we keep up with our bills. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is I find a bill and I go, I want to make this much. I want to make enough money so that I can pay the electrical bill this much. So going by the old axiom, it's not what you make, it's what you save. I will be saving the money that I would have spent on the electrical bill. Do you dig it? I think it's a good way to look at it. Don't be like, we're going to make a lot of money or whatever. Just try to pick one thing and figure I'm going to cover this with the extra effort that I'm putting in over at the flea market this week. Another cool thing that's going to come out of this is that we are going to hire my, uh, one of my daughter's friends, one of her guy friends. We're going to hire him to come down to the flea market with us and help unload, set up, sell a bit, and also reload. It's really useful to have an extra hand because, you know, it's hot work. You're out there 
in the blistering sun, lifting boxes, doing stuff. And it's, it's pretty hard work. It's not, it's not back-breaking labor, but you are out there. And to me, it's a little exhausting to have to try to sell to people in person. I much prefer to do it online, to be honest with you. But, like we learned earlier, these are things I was not able to sell on the internet. So we're going to give him a little money and a little job experience. He's never had a job before. He's never done any work. So we're going to boss him around, That you know, get him ready for the eventual day that he will have to go out and find work. This is a little cool, too. This just happened the other day. I have a little remote-control quad helicopter. I guess a quadcopter. And I like to fly it out in the front of the house. It's relaxing. You really have to focus on what you're doing. It's relaxing. So, I'm out there, and I'm doing it, and I get it stuck up in a tree, and I'm kind of poking at it with, a like, a stick that I found, hoping it'll come out, and it's not gonna come out. So this dude, this dude who works across the street, he fixes cars all day. Kind of a tough-looking dude. He comes over, and he's nice, man. He brought a ladder, and he brought a stick, and he helped me get it down. So I'm like, I had a ladder. I had a stick. I was going to get the ladder. I was just hoping that the stick would be able to get it first. But dude was super nice, so I want to give him credit for that. But he came over, and he's like a hip-hop dude with one of those booming cars. And he's not exactly a young dude. So I'm like thinking, maybe I'll approach him from the hip-hop angle. Kind of try to see what he's into. I'm like, yo, man. I didn't say yo, man. I'm like, yo, hey, man. I didn't say yo, hey, man. I don't remember what I said, but I did not say yo. But, uh, I asked him, I'm like, you know, you're into rap or whatever, right? And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, are you into rap? You like rap? I go, yeah, you know, dude, I like, like, EPMD and Run DMC and, like, you know, like the Blastmaster Chris KRS-One with the return of the boom bap. You know, that kind of stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, man, that's cool. I think that's what my dad's into. But I guess they're all right for, you know, old stuff. <laughs> Check one, two. The return of the boom bat means just that. It means the return of the real hard beats and toy chat. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? They were just ordinary troublemakers, as long as they lived. But they returned from beyond the grave with superhuman powers, unleashing an unholy reign of terror that holds an entire community in the grip of psychomania. Psychomania. Everybody dies, don't they? But some come back. How do the dead come back, Mother? When you die, you've got to believe that you're going to come back. I was out digging in the garage the other day trying to get ready for the flea market when I came across a VHS tape that I had not seen in many a moon. A really cool looking movie called Psychomania. It's a pretty weird movie. It came out in 1971. It's English, and the copy that I have here was distributed by Good Time Video, and as we all know, good time video is a good sign that you're going to get a good time out of your video. Was that their slogan? If it wasn't their slogan, it should have been. All right. Psychomania is about a rampaging band of undead English biker zombies. What happens is these dudes are all in a gang and then they all decide to do a suicide pact with the idea that they will all come back and become undead zombie bikers. I mean, right there. That's a great premise. I think that this movie, if it wasn't so awesome, would probably be something perfect to remake because everybody likes bikers and right now everybody likes zombies. They don't like zombies as much as they did maybe a year ago, but people are still quite into the zombie thing. And with uh, 
with Sons of Anarchy on the way out, or gone already, actually, on the way gone, they are on the way gone, if that's a real thing. I think that just means that you are actually gone. At any rate, Psychomania is pretty cool. The dudes are all, it's like a zombie biker movie. I don't know what I, I need to say besides that. I mean, if you're not interested, right when I say zombie bikers, I mean, dude, what can I say to get you into this? There's nothing. You are beyond hope, my friend. The most known actor in Psychomania would have to be George Sanders. George Sanders might be known to you because he played Mr. Freeze in a couple episodes of the classic Batman TV show. I had to stop for a second there and go and look for some pictures of Mr. Freeze. And it's kind of weird. When you see him, he's wearing a suit that looks more like, uh, what is his name? He looks more like the human bomb from the Freedom Fighters, you know, the... I don't know what company. I know it's DC now, but they're one of the alternate DC universes. Are, are they on Earth X where uh, the Nazis are in control? I think that's what it is. He looks like the human bomb from the Freedom Fighters as opposed to Mr. Freeze from uh, Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger fame. But that has very little, if not anything, to do with uh, Psychomania. So you know what, dudes? What do you need me to say? If you're into this kind of thing, go see it. If you're not in this kind of thing then I don't know if you should even be listening to my show. I'm, I don't mean that. I want everybody to listen to my show. So please, even if you have no interest in Psychomania, don't turn it off right now. Just don't turn it off. Just keep, keep listening. I swear to you, things are going to change around here really soon. That's not really true. At any rate, Psychomania gets the big ISR at the movies. Thumbs up. Check it out if you want to. If you don't, I mean, go see something that you might like a little more. I hear that, uh... Fifty Shades of Grey is pretty good for dudes like you. Get ready for the retro marketplace. Okay, I see robots. This is your one chance. Show them what you got. The Karate Kid by Remco. Unlike Psychomania, which is only a pretty good movie, The Karate Kid is a fantastic movie. It is just so great. It encompasses everything it is to be bullied. It, well, it has that part where he does fight back and destroy everybody, and that usually doesn't happen in a bullying situation. Usually, uh, you get bullied until it stops, or you find some way to avoid the dudes that are giving you trouble, I suppose. But in the case of the Karate Kid, daniel San is lucky enough. I don't feel like I have to go and talk about the plot of the movie. If you haven't seen it, I mean, what's wrong with you? Why haven't you seen it yet? It's the Karate Kid. It's been out forever, and it's great. In the plot of the movie, daniel San is lucky enough to discover Mr. Miyagi who is a karate master, and he teaches him some real stuff that he uses to defeat his bullies. And I wonder, I wonder if after the movie came out, if old Asian grandfather types started getting more, like, random volunteer visits over at the nursing home. I wonder if people were going out there realizing that they had bully problems and were maybe, like, going down to the nursing home or maybe, like, going down to the park and seeing if they could maybe find some dude like Mr. Miyagi to teach them how to wax on, wax off, and beat up all the creases and Johnnies of the world. That could actually be an episode of the Goldbergs. I should write that. I can imagine him, the lead character, the little kid, gets picked on, so he goes out there and he tries to find some sort of an Asian fella to teach him kung fu. I don't know. It might be a little racist. Let's stop talking about this right now. It's always weird anytime you say anybody's race by name, like I just said Asian. So, 
let's move along with this. You know, I actually see a little bit of potential in that episode. I might write it. I really won't. I don't ever really follow through on things like that. I'm too lazy. Writing is too hard. I like to do it, but man... Sometimes it's just a pain in the butt and I never get around to it. The Karate Kid was a really big deal though. I remember when this came out and it was just, it was like a movie for all of us who got picked on. It was something out there that gave us hope. There was hope that maybe if we could talk our parents into it, we could join a dojo and learn some of these things that Daniel-san used to free himself from the tyranny of these guys. And I really think that these were some of the worst bullies I had ever seen in this movie. They went, like, way over the line a lot of times. That scene where they're wearing the skeleton costumes and they're they're uh, chasing Danielson around after the, the school dance or whatever, that terrified me. That really gave me nightmares. That was such an over-the-top display of bullying. Nothing like it has ever crossed my eyes before or since. It's even scary when Mr. Miyagi comes out of the haze to save Danielson. He looks like some kind of a spirit as well, and there's, like skeletons and all this stuff. Real scary scene. And you know, it almost seemed like the dudes from Cobra Kai were going to straight up murder Daniel-san. And to me, that's taking it a little bit too far. Everybody likes a little hazing. Everybody likes a little poking fun. But you know, when you're going to straight up kill somebody dead, you might be taking it just, you know, just a little bit too far. The town that I come from is a medium-sized town. And I think people in medium and small-sized towns sort of have an inherent fear of big cities. And, like, watching this movie, I thought that that's what bullying was like in the big city. I did not realize that these dudes were kind of, like, sociopaths. I thought that this was what it was like if you grew up in L.A. or New York or Chicago or even, like, I don't know, Buffalo. I guess I was probably scared of Buffalo a little bit as well. All right, guys. Let's move ahead in the program right now. We're going to dig through some of my videotapes. I got a pretty neat Karate Kid by Remco commercial. It uh, It's a school scene and Daniel-san is forced to fight. All right, let's pop that in and take a listen. They're gonna fight, they're gonna fight. I thought Daniel wouldn't fight. He's got no choice. Just listen, he must fight to the finish. Fight. Remember, Daniel-san, true strength come from heart. Hey. He's gonna Discover the secrets of karate with Karate Kid Tri-Action Figures. Concentrate, Daniel-san. They chop, twist, and kick. Karate Kid Tri-Action Figures are each sold separately. And for more action, look for the Karate Kid Competition Center from Remco. The Karate Kid was produced by Remco in 1986. Remco was a toy company out of Newark, New Jersey that was founded by two cousins. Their names were... Ike Heller, and Saul Robin. The company at first relied heavily on remote control cars. As a matter of fact, Remco is short for remote control. Eventually, they moved into action figures and other licensed properties like the Karate Kid. As the line came out in 1986, it only covers the first two movies. That's cool, though. Only really the first two were any good. But the third one introduced that evil smarmy dude... Terry Silver, and I really wouldn't mind having a figure of him now that I mentioned it. That dude, while not as bad as the other ones, the villains I mean, the other villains, the mind games that he played on Danielson made him, they made him just as bad, if not worse, than all the others combined. I kind of like that sentence I just said. I said that 
while not as bad as the other dudes. What he did made him worse. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds like something somebody would say about a movie character from the 80s. So what you got from Rimco was two waves of action figures. Each wave was six dudes, and they mostly just reproduced the ones from the initial wave in different colored kimonos. All right, let's do what I do best, read off a list. The first wave was six figures. Like I just said, you got three Danielsons, two in white geese. One was plastic, the other one was cloth, and there was also a red gee. The two in the white came with a board-breaking accessory. It was like a board that he could break with a chop. The third one, though, came with the ice. The ice that he had to break in Okinawa in movie two. And I want to talk about this for a second. That bar scene is amazingly sketchy. I think that for Mr. Miyagi to support Daniel-san being in a bar like that is... Well, it's really not good guardianship. I mean, that dude, let him go there. I don't know if he supported him going there, but he let him go there. And with, like, the American soldiers and the Okinawans and the drinking... That was a scene that was going to lead to somebody getting a knife in the ribs, if you ask me. But it's a movie, so, you know, you do need some kind of high drama. But I also want to talk about the ice that Daniel-san was cracking in that. I don't know if there is some kind of a trick to breaking ice or boards or whatever. I think there probably is, but I don't know what it is, and it, I don't want to go look. But if I were in that bar like Daniel-san, I think I might have balled up my fist and hit it like a hammer, like a hammer fist, to go through the ice. The ridge hand seems a little weak to me, but I really might want to rep the USA. So it's possible I would have stepped over to the side, took a boxing stance, right hook, right through that ice, good old Western boxing style. But, you know, that might have caused an uproar in the bar. I can see how that might also get a knife stuck in your ribs. The other three figures in the first wave were all Mr. Miyagi. You got three of them in total, two in gray tops, the other in a white top with uh, jeans for like a more casual karate appearance. I wonder if they were those Chuck Norris karate jeans that you see sometimes. That would be pretty cool, I guess, but I don't think they were. Mr. Miyagi doesn't seem like he would splurge on some expensive karate jeans. The second wave of dudes that you got were um, all the villains, or the villanos, as we like to say in the world of Lucha Libre. You got John Kreese in all black, and he came with a little brick wall that you could break. You can see the the picture on the figure is pretty funny, and I'll make sure to put it out there. He um He's kicking the brick wall and breaking the top of it right off with a bare foot. Pretty hardcore. And then you got two different versions of Johnny. The evil Johnny played by Billy Zabka. That dude was the worst. That guy was the worst. He just epitomized a Southern California bully for all 80s movies. I mean, that dude, he was in this. He was in um, Just One of the Boys. That guy, that dude was the worst. Billy Zabka. Let's look him up really quick. Hold on. The movie was actually called Just One of the Guys. I don't know why I said that because I do really dig that movie. But anyway, Billy Zabka was a creep in that. He was a creep in this. He was a creep in Karate Kid 2, but he also made two movies that I have never seen, and I do kind of want to now. They're called Shoot Fighter. The first one is Shoot Fighter, The Battle to the Death, and then the sequel is called Shoot Fighter 2. I am going to look for those. I'm going to, if you see them anywhere, pick them up for me. Shoot Fighter starring uh, Billy Zabka. The movie is actually called Shoot Fighter Fight to the Death, and William, a.k.a. Billy Zabka, it says William Zabka on his Wikipedia, stars as a martial artist who gets tricked with his brother into going overseas and competing in a tournament where the only way to exit is on a slab or, as they say in the real world, dead. And um, his sensei, his sensei played by Bolo Young, comes and rescues him from the tournament. 
I wonder if he has to enter in his place, or maybe he just beats everybody up. I don't know. But we do know from that Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that Bolo Young is a master of the Kumite, or the Dangerous Martial Arts Tournament format. Huh. Looking through the listings here, I see that Martin Cove is in the movie. And you might know Martin Cove as Sensei John Kreese. So I guess in one way you can kind of watch this movie and pretend that John Kreese stayed with Johnny Lawrence and that they are now competing overseas in death-style karate tournaments. That's pretty cool. I think that I am actually going to look for this movie. I wonder if I can find it on a VHS tape at the flea market. Let's hope. Sorry that I am getting so sidetracked, but I just went and looked the tape up on eBay, and it's one of those rare tapes that is worth money. People got it listed for $24.99, so let's hope that I do find it at the flea market. Okay, back to the toys. Sorry for that long diversion. Um, the rest of the dudes in this wave are also villains. You got Chosen, who is the student of the evil martial artist from Okinawa that torments Mr. Miyagi, much like Billy Zabka tormented Daniel-san, Sato. And Sato comes with a unique breakaway uh, accessory. It's a breakaway chain. It's like a chain connected by two boards. It's, a, you know, two boards with a chain in the middle. And he punches it right in the middle and breaks it. That seems like a weird way to train, but maybe that's how they do it in Okinawa. Maybe that's how they produce such hard karate fighters like Mr. Miyagi. I don't even know. And I don't want to gloss over it, but the entire second wave is one each of all the dudes who've been previously released on a red card. And all the dudes have different colored kimono tops. Pretty underwhelming overall. There were also playsets, five in total. Three of them got a pretty ordinary release, but there were two of them that were only recently to uh, have been discovered to exist. The first one that I think is really neat is the Breakaway Training Center. And it's kind of like a pagoda. Is that what you call a Japanese house? It's like a pagoda with all kinds of different training implements and cardboard ninjas that pop out of the doorways to attack you. It's really great. I can imagine having an awesome time with some of my action figures. It's too bad that these guys were off uh, off the scale of G.I. Joe. They're more akin to He-Man, but you could have had your He-Man going through the pagoda, thrashing on things, breaking things with their weapons. It could have been a fun time. I am really bricking these names today. It was called the Attack Alley Training Center with breakaway features. So let me repeat that again. Attack Alley Training Center with breakaway features. All right, the second one that came out was really great. It was essentially the All Valley Karate Tournament. It was called the Competition Center and it really, it was a pretty neat recreation of the tournament where Daniel-san delivered the famous crane kick. And it came with the only other figure released in the series, that giant mustache referee who was in there making sure everything was on the up and up. That guy was pretty cool. And considering he is exclusively available in this playset here, I'm guessing he's probably a fairly desirable action figure. All right, the third one was really neat. It was from Karate Kid 2. It is from the Isle of Okinawa, Sato's Cannery. And it recreates that scene where Daniel-san is blindfolded standing in the water on a pole, and Miyagi swings a hook down at him, and he has to dodge it like a pendulum. He was like, yeah, 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 dodging back and forth. You couldn't see me dodging back and forth. All right, there were also two other action figure playsets that were later discovered to exist. The first one is the Breakaway Challenge, and it's a room with a bunch of stuff for Daniel-san and Mr. Miyagi to train with and break various bottles, cardboard ninjas, and boards. The other one is the Corner Challenge, which is like a corner of a room with a bunch of breakaway things for Miyagi and Daniel-san to punch and kick. Overall, kind of underwhelming. Anyway, let's take a listen to 
another one of my cool VHS commercials before we come back and take a look at what it might cost you to get some of these things back into your life. Alright, here we go. Karate, come from heart. I will show no mercy. Discover the secrets of karate with Karate Kid Tri-Action Figures. Concentrate, Daniel Sun. They chop, twist, and kick. The Karate Kid and Johnny are each sold separately. And for more action, look for the Karate Kid Competition Center from Remco. Make sure to visit virtualdirtmall.com and support the show with a generous purchase of some retro or not-so-retro junk. He won't be sorry for long. Alright guys, here we are at the end of the Retro Toy Marketplace. This is the part where we take a look at eBay and we see how much it's going to cost to get some of these things back into your toy collection if you so desire. What I like to do is to specify the auction listings only as completed and then I like to look and get the solds, start at the highest, and kind of work my way down. We are going to have to be super quick on this today. We're running out of time. I have talked way too much, and if you want to get a good flea market report, I'm going to have to keep this to a minimum. All right, I'm looking right here at eBay, and the highest listed thing is a carded set of all of the six original figures, and it went for 450 bucks. Yep, a big 450 It had nine bids in an auction, 450 clams. Yikes. Okay, so moving on down here, I see somebody got Sato's Cannery outside the box, but complete for $250. Moving down a little lower here is like $180 for a, uh, a group of six Mr. Miyagi's with his cool karate jeans. That's cool. I guess you might be able to flip that. I don't know. Maybe you just want six Miyagi karate jeans action figures. That's a good idea for a product, Mr. Miyagi karate jeans. Anyway, what I'm noticing here is that the second series, the red carded figures, go for like $30 loose and up to like $120, $130, sometimes a little more on the card. They are definitely the more desirable ones of the set. The loose first series ones are going to go for like $10, $15, maybe $20 depending on condition and the accessories. More on the card, maybe up to $100, somewhere in that range. Um, oh, here it is. The Breakaway Challenge playset. That was one of the rare ones we saw earlier. Somebody put it up here for auction, got 12 bids, 243 bucks. Maybe just rarity doesn't equal out to value sometimes. You know how that goes. It might be the rarest thing in the world, but maybe nobody wants it, so no one's going to pay for it. You never know. You just never know. It's hard to gauge what people out there are looking for. All right, here he is. The one that I want the most, the referee, that dude with that giant Don Fry mustache. You know, that's a cool figure, and I do kind of want it. I think that it'd be neat, and that people would see him on your shelf and go, who is that? And you go, oh, you don't know? That's the referee for the All-Valley Karate Tournament. I mean, you recognize his mustache, right? The shirt says ref. That really never happens. I never really have dudes here in the command center looking at my cool toys. And, they, you know, that is a little bit of a bummer. But at any rate, you can get that ref for a mere 21 bucks on eBay if you were keeping your eye out. Okay, I think that's really about it. I think you know everything you need to know. Some things are expensive, some things not so much. That's the nature of the game. All right, so let's get going. Let's move ahead into the Toys R Us report itself. Yo, ISR, your man, you got him running scared, man. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment, your weekly toy shop update, the Toys R Us report. All right, guys, we are at a critical point in the time 
juncture. So what I'm going to have to do is give you the Toys R Us report in a few words. The few words are that there is still nothing cool out there, but there is starting to be a little influx of Age of Ultron action figures. What I've seen so far are some of the Titan series. That's the bigger, I believe they're like 12 inch. I've seen some of those for Age of Ultron and also some three and three quarter inch Age of Ultron toys. And there was also one Marvel legend from the new series. Hawkeye was sitting there. I don't know what was up with that. I don't know if I missed the whole drop or what, but I only saw Hawkeye sitting there available. Okay, so let's move on to the flea market. The flea market was a smashing success. I don't know if smashing success is too too strong of a word, but it was definitely a success. We made enough money to cover the bill. We made enough to pay our employee. We had a good time. We sold a lot of stuff. And at the end, we were able to get rid of everything that we were looking to get rid of. So, I mean, what are you going to say? That is definitely a good day. Let me give you some of the details about what was going on. Maybe flesh out the story a little bit in the time we have available. You know, overall though, we had a very good time at the flea market. We weren't able to make a lot of high-end sales. We did sell some stuff for 20 bucks, a couple things for 20 bucks, like 10 bucks, 15 bucks. But most of our sales were in the $1 to $2 range, which is okay because like ultimately all we were looking to do was get some of the money back that we had already spent on things that we thought were going to be cool but really weren't. Some of our big sellers were old magazines. I have a bunch of old TV magazines that I got in a big group and those were moving pretty well. I had some old newspapers that were moving well. Old um, electrical pole insulators were selling very well. Uh, I sold a lot of audio cassettes. I had a big rack of cassettes that I've bought over the years and when you know haven't been able to move and those were really flipping yesterday but they only go for like 50 cents or a dollar. So if you sold the whole rack, you're only going to be seeing like 15 bucks. But it's cool to get them out of the house and to get them out of from underneath your hair, really. Also, our new hire worked out really well. He showed up on time. He was there to help out with the work. And it was like a super windy day. And there was like a million different times where he had to grab a hold of our tarp and stop it from slowly going off into orbit. And when I say slowly, what I actually mean is quickly jettisoning off into space with him still attached. And believe me, dude, that could have seriously happened. People were losing their tarps left and right. Some of the big vendors who have like permanent spaces were totally getting their roofs blown off. It's like that one song by that dude, Lucas. Lucas with the lid off, boom, there goes your lid. It's just like your tarp is gone and your merchandise is now at the mercy of the sun, the sweltering sun and the dust of the Sebastopol flea market. <laughs> That's weird. I don't think I have thought of that Lucas song in forever and I probably won't think about it again until somebody else gets their uh, lid blown off, I suppose. I do want to thank that dude for uh, making that song and having it available for me to put in there at the perfect moment. Anyway, you know what you notice about the flea market that you don't really see when you're just... Okay, when you go to the flea market, what happens is you have a route and you just walk through. You walk in and you walk out, stopping and looking at what you like along the way. But when you're in one stable position, you notice that people come and just straight up hang out at the flea market. They stay in one place, talk to people, and it's really a lot more social than I thought it was. I look at it like commerce. Now, I do bump into some people and talk to them, but I never noticed how much, like, other people were doing the same thing. It really is an interesting little, uh, slice of life. A little slice of a subculture that not everybody examines all that closely. It was also weird to see how many different people would just hang out at our booth and talk about the things that we have. We did have some cool things, some neat retro items, some neat 70s and 80s things, and it was cool to see people, like, hanging out and talking and enjoying themselves 
over our things. It's really cool. You like when you're out on the hunt for old timey items, you almost have like this sense of creation when you find something and people enjoy it. While you did not invent it yourself, you saved it from certain doom and there is like a certain, it's almost like you gave birth to it. You feel it. And when somebody enjoys it, there is a lot of joy involved with that. It's weird. A little weird and I feel weird even talking about it. But it does feel good when you've gone out there and found something and people are standing there like calling their friends over to take a look at it, which did happen a few times. All right, dudes, we're gonna have to get out of here, but make sure to go on over to entertainmentearth.com through the IC Robots link on the icrobots.com homepage and buy stuff. Buy a bunch of stuff. They're great guys and every little thing that you go I get a slice. I get a taste of that. And let me see. It tastes good. So please, continue to be generous and continue to support the show. Oh yeah, and most important of all, don't forget to go over to virtualdirtmall.com and also to buy a bunch of stuff. I know I'm asking you to buy a bunch of stuff this week, but man, we need the help. So go over to virtualdirtmall.com and spend until you can't spend anymore. This is about it. Um... Make sure to download the Retro Junkies app. Make sure to check us out over on throwbacknetwork.net. And that's really it. Hit up the uh, IC Robots Facebook page. That is facebook.com backslash I-S-E-E robots. Like I'm looking at them, IC Robots. Check us out on Twitter. You got something to say? Let me know. You have any ideas for any toys you'd like me to look at in the future? Hit me up at IC Robots. I-S-E-E robots. And pretty much this is it, dudes. We're out of here. If you don't know, now you know. Yeah, that's right. This jam is rated Cold Medina, man. That's right, Cold Medina. We're in EFFECT, otherwise known as Effect. Know what I'm saying? This has been an IC Robots Radio production.